Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. And I'm Laura. So we're coming off of the holidays. Obviously. Anyone's game die? No one's game die. No. <laughs> no game die. Some, no. some games no. got delayed. I chose not to start games. <laughs> right. No first sessions of games until after the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solid so your guys' game got delayed. Skies of Glass barely slid through. Yep. We lost Wayne for one of the episodes, but... But it means my character made it out healthy. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> did not die. Yeah. We did manage to get that one through, but we're coming back to the mics after a couple weeks gone. So we're going to keep this one kind of light, fluffy, mm. might be a little bit on the shorter end. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But speaking of light and fluffy, I saw the most disgusting thing on the way back. What's that? Cotton candy that's pizza flavored. <laughs> oh, he sent me a picture of this. That was like, <laughs> you Wayne, that to me in the Wayne, the, oh, the only reason. He tried it. Gross. He actually ate it. Oh, yeah, I bought it. You, ew. <laughs> yeah, if, we, if I was coming to a gaming session, I would have brought it to the gaming session, set it on the table. And you know I would have at least gotten Brandon and Eric to try well, it. Well, I was going to say, this doesn't surprise me in the least, because at the games we have here, you waste a strange amount of money on gross-out food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you genuinely do. I mean, you come in with, like, wasabi-flavored Kit Kats. And, Which are actually pretty good. I don't even like wasabi. And Kit Kats, I mean, Kit Kats are fine. But I don't like wasabi. I like wasabi Kit Kats. I'm There's something so about yeah, it. Right when now. I clean the out green. The, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> every so often we go through there and clean out the room. Mm-hmm. Probably half the trash is like regular item. Some shit Wayne bought <laughs> where one's missing because some idiot tried it and nobody else is going to eat it. Legitimate item. Something Wayne bought where one's missing and nobody's seriously going to eat it. Well, oh, a Coke. Oh, something Wayne bought that. Well, and there was a time that I brought the what are legitimately supposed to be good beef sticks. Yeah. But the one bag was horrid. Yeah. And it just, it smelled rancid and Ew. I wasn't willing to try it. Didn't and... Brodor just keep eating them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he tried one, and I don't know, he just didn't stop. He didn't like them. Maybe that's he why he has such horrible stomach problems. Right. <laughs> it's because he ate that. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, it is. So, anyway, we are going to actually talk here a little bit about food, mm-hmm. because in our last episode, we talked about the gaming environment, you know, where you game, yep. and Chad, you got some feedback mm-hmm. from the community regarding food yes all right so i want to hear about this so on our discord channel a couple of guys were asking well chad what kind of food do you recommend i thought about it and i didn't answer because i'm like ah i do have some recommendations and this is food for a role-playing game mm-hmm. so i, I kind of want to think about more and maybe bring it up as a topic and then there was a conversation that that they had between them about how soup is not one of those things you, you never want to cook soup or stews for your gaming group because of spillage I mean, it's, it's like you, you have a, a glass full of Coke and it knocks over your ruined character sheets. If you have a plate of chicken and it gets knocked over, I mean, it's a mess, but not a huge one. Whereas a bowl of soup is everywhere. Yeah. Totally disagree. All right. So I'm going to give one comment in mm-hmm. favor of soup. Right. With the caveat that I do agree with them. The mess potential is definitely there. Absolutely. But the comment I'm going to make in favor of soup is that soup is low involvement prep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You may have to do a lot to do the original prep, cut the vegetables, right. cook meat, whatever it is you have to do. But once it is actually ready to go together and create the dish, 
it doesn't require you running in and out of the kitchen every mm-hmm. five minutes to make sure that it's cooking all the way through or to do this or to do that. Got to turn it. Yeah. And okay, it, now yeah. this course is done. So now I've got to start mm-hmm. that course and now I've got to add this. And so you just freaking put it on the oven Dump and go. Yeah. Stir it, put it in a crock pot, I, whatever. Yeah. It's a relatively low mid process prep. And I don't really buy the spillage as a risk when it comes to soup because soup goes in bowls. Typically Mm -hmm. bowls have a very low center of gravity. They're not not like a cup that is vertical. And let's face it. How many times have you actually seen a bowl of soup spilled? Versus a glass of something, yeah. a oh, bottle of something, well, forget the a bowl. pitcher of beer. Right. Forget the bowl. To me, it's a spoon. I mean, just spoon to mouth. Look, right. I, I'm going to tell you right now. That's going to go all over people's shirts. Thank you. But okay. not all over the table. Well, I think it's going to be both because I am a full grown adult <laughs> until you ask me to eat. And then I am four. <laughs> yeah. I've said this before. I used to have a huge problem with uh, spilling it when I would eat mm-hmm. at lunch at work. Yeah. And then I started keeping a spare shirt in my desk drawer. And I have never spilled on my shirt since I kept a spare because. In my mind, I know I have a spare. Uh, so then it's like that mental aspect off. of pressure yeah. isn't yeah. there. And that's when you spill is when you're thinking, I'm wearing a white shirt. I have a meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spill. When you don't have to worry about it, you're not going to spill. So, Wayne, there's another reason you probably don't fully grasp this problem. To the best of my knowledge, you don't own a Palladium book. <laughs> there's, an old, there's an old saying, give a man a fish and he eats for a day. Give him a Palladium book and he will have meals for life. Because I swear, I don't know why, but there is no company's role-playing books that is as food-attractant as Palladium (laughs) books. I fully believe I could drive past McDonald's, hold a Palladium book out the window, and get an extra-large value meal. I I totally believe this. I only have one role-playing book where two pages are unusable because a whole... Pizza, <laughs> whole pizza, Not went, went face down on the book. The book was hungry and demanded sustenance. Yes, we had a Palladium book sacrificed to the book god on a shelf, and we were in a phase where we were making biscuits while we game, mm-hmm. like just regular like lumberjack yeah. biscuits. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. yeah, and we had a Palladium book on the shelf, and midway through the game, there was this. Boom, like a shotgun going off. <laughs> and the biscuit can had exploded and blown biscuit all over a riff book. <laughs> it was the great biscuit rebellion. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to save happen. us. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm saying between spoons mm. and, and palladium books, if you even have one in the house, <laughs> then it really is like trying to eat something living while it is chasing prey. <laughs> so, all right, Chad. Yeah, speak in defense of soup. Okay, part of it we covered because mm-hmm. I don't like interrupting a game to eat a meal. Snacks right. are one thing. I want to have food either beginning or end, usually at the end. You know, we gamed, we had a good time, here's some food, and we talk about the game and relax and stuff. Yeah, because speaking from experience, sometimes when we break up the game to go eat, we never came back to the game. Right, yeah. right. You know, we used to go out to a restaurant and we would cut off the last two hours of a game, go eat. And with the idea of we're going to go out, grab a bite to eat, come back, finish up the game. And we have to stand in line or it mm. takes the servers really slow or we're really slow. We just hang out and talk and now we're all full of food. And we don't want a game. Anyway, soups are really good for the soups and stews are really good for this because, like I said, you can 
chop up everything beforehand. What I do is we have a game on Saturday. We start at like one o'clock mm-hmm. in the late morning. I chop everything up, put it into bowls, and then I know how long the soup's going to cook. So like a half hour, hour, however long before the end of the game, I will say, OK, guys, I'll be right back. Keep going. Dump everything in, turn the heat on, and then go to town. Yeah, you can have soups going low and slow for mm-hmm. a long, yeah. long time, time. Okay. and yeah. without much interaction, just making sure that they don't reduce too much or they mm-hmm. don't burn. So this brings me, and this is all part of the advice, right? The advice of, you know, what do you cook for your gaming space? Dan was like, don't cook cookies because he's going to stop thinking about the game and think about cookies, which is very valid. And it's not just cookies, anything right. that we're, yeah. You've got pork steaks in there for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the that game. That was my thought when you just talked about making biscuits. It's like, biscuits are going to smell good. Well, yeah. and they come out of the oven so fast. You're, yeah, that's because yeah. they don't take long to cook. They take mm-hmm. only a few minutes to cook, assuming you get them to the oven. Right. <laughs> so Don't leave the can where I have my favorite cookbook here. It is Better Homes and Gardens' biggest book of soups and stews. With a bonus chapter on simmering slow cooker soup recipes. I'm going to hand it to Dan, because whenever I bring in show-and-tell stuff, I always hand it to Dan and have him describe what he sees here. All right. Well, first of all, I will see if this book is even still for sale. If it, <laughs> it is, is. Okay, it is. And I'll, I'll try to link it in the show notes. So, yeah, this is a obviously a cookbook. Wow. Okay, it is about 400 pages long. It's my kind of cookbook. With each page being its own recipe... And I know this says mescaline with orange. It looks like mescaline with oranges and olives. Which, oh, yeah, the salad's at the back. I know, yeah. but it, I, mm-hmm. chasing the white a rabbit. salad is neither a soup or a stew. It is. It's also yeah. not mescaline. It is but, a bonus chapter of sides to go with the soup. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm sorry, it's over 400 pages long. So, yeah, there's a lot of recipes in Unlike this. most role-playing games, it has a very good index. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> it does have an index, yes, actually. And um, what jumps out at me is Chad has pages marked pages throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and it also has a U.S. metric conversion in the back. Yep. So if you buy this and you're in Europe or whatever, then you know how to convert all of this. So you mm-hmm. can still make it. I know this has gotten some use. This is a, yes. oh, this is a raggedy-ass book. <laughs> this is Soups and it's Stews 2nd Edition. <laughs> it's a well-loved cookbook. Yeah, this I'm is advanced through. Soups and Stews. <laughs> I'm still working through the Fallout cookbook, and every recipe done so far has been amazing. Yeah, this is a white box version. So the cool thing about this particular cookbook, and the reason why I bring because you could take any cookbook. You can take any book about soups or whatever, The reason why this is a good one for role-playing games is because all of the recipes are fresh recipes, right? They don't fresh recipes, fresh recipes. Yeah, (laughs) it's like real vegetables, real meats, real whatevers. It it isn't like just here microwave this can of this and then pour it on that and call it cooking. Right, but I want to request this recipe: creamy ham new potato soup. soup. Yep, except Dawn's lactose intolerant. And there's no mescaline in that one. That well, means you're going to have to make two soups, one for Dawn and one for the rest of us. You know, she won't mind that at all. So the other great thing about this is that let's say you're not a cook. Let's say you're not somebody who, who knows like all these different cooking techniques and you don't know what this particular thing is. Like you read recipes and there's an ingredient you're like, what even the hell is this? Oh, I have to go to an Asian market in Thailand <laughs> yeah. to get this one thing and it'll cost $5,000. That's not what this book is. That's what I hit up against trying to make some a Thai soup called Tom Kha Gai. Yep. Tom because Kha Gai it requires glangle root. Yep. 
which is not super easy to come by. No. 99% of the ingredients in this recipe book are things you can go to your local grocery store. Supposing you have yeah. it. Now, I know there are small, little, tiny towns that barely have a convenience store. But let's say you have a grocery store where you live. You can find 99% of the ingredients for the stuff in there. The weirdest stuff you'll find is Majora, which in a well-stocked grocery store, it's a type of herb. You and can you, buy it at Walmart. You can buy it at Walmart, yeah. exactly. And, and that's like... Although I was surprised the other day I found uh, lamb at Walmart. Yeah, hmm. yeah. All of the recipes in there are like all these variations on like a cooking theme. None of it is any kind of weird... You don't really need any weird equipment. You just need, you know, your standard cooking. You need a pot. You need a Dutch oven, a knife, cutting board. That's really about it. A lot of this stuff is about using a handful of different herbs and seasonings, a handful of different kinds of ingredients in different configurations. Pick out a super stew that you like. Make it a couple of times. Even if you don't cook, if you make it a couple of times, you'll learn how to do it. And once you master one stew in there, you can cook anything in the book because they're all basically the same as far as concepts go. Some herbs, some vegetables, maybe some meat. There are vegetarian options in there. Cooking the stock water for a certain amount of time, pulling it off, tasting it, enjoying it, and go. And it is great for a role-playing game because unlike, say, we're going to have pork chops. I'm going to make pork chops for my gaming group. Well, how many people do we have? So that's how many I need. But one person's a big eater, I might need to get two. And then I'm going to have to make sides. And then I'm going to have to make a starch and a vegetable. But this person doesn't like vegetables, but they'll need something else. Now, this person doesn't eat cheese, so I can't do it. A soup. It is all right there. It is the entire meal prepped down yeah. into one mm. delicious pot. And then you put the bowls out. You put a ladle out. You take the lid off it and say, it's ready, guys. Go and get it. Yeah. And you're good to go. And it's a lot easier cleanup, too. It is a lot a lot easier cleanup. The leftovers, you containerize, you wash your pot out. And if anyone wants to take up cooking, the number one tip is clean as you go. Oh, yes. when, you, when you chop stuff with a knife and you know the recipe has no other usage for that knife and you have to bring something to a boil, don't sit back and go, oh, man, I finally get stuff. Clean your knife. If you do something like a slow cooker now, mm -hmm. they have the bags that you can put in Yeah, that makes cleaning ridiculously easy because you throw the bag away. You dump the bag in the Instapot. Then you and, rinse out the thing. And with those, yeah, you, it's not a whole lot different than mm -hmm. making the soups. Yeah. I've been one over on the Instant Pot. And app, these by the soups way. in here, too. It, I got an Instant Pot for Christmas. I'm so Three excited. people in my family got them, and we have one of them now. We're going to get rid of our rice maker because it can do that. Mm -hmm. Get rid of our crock pot because it can do that. But the pressure cooker aspect means that you cook things really quickly, yeah. too. Although I can say this because my children aren't around. I absolutely have started using the empty, not being used yet Instant Pot as the hiding place for all of their Christmas candy. <laughs> Just don't turn it on it. by accident. Uh, I mean, it's not plugged in. Yeah. The other cool thing about this book, too, is that it, there is such a large variety of soups and stews in here. So it's not just 10 different kinds of chicken noodle soup, five different kinds of beef and vegetable soup. I mean, there is Moroccan lamb soup. There I saw is, three curry chicken soups that were yep. all completely different. What's that uh, Indian soup you like with the M? The, um, oh, I can't pronounce it. If I knew where it was, I'd look for it in the book, but it's, I'm too busy flipping pages. Magantawi Tani Mugan Man. I cannot remember. I can't think of how to pronounce it. Right, I can't think of how to pronounce it. Anyway... Wayne really likes the soup, made it for him, and every time we go to an Indian restaurant, he'll sometimes get the soup, and I'm like, how'd that stack up against mine? He's like, eh, yours is better. Like, yes! <laughs>
Chad is a very good cook, if we haven't mentioned yet. Thank you. One of these days, I'm going to cook for the the group. The problem mm-hmm. is, every time I think about it, it means getting everything ready and bringing everything over food-wise, and then mm-hmm. yeah. taking the time to, to cook it there. Like mm-hmm. I have a chicken curry stew that turns out really good when I make it, mm-hmm. but I don't amazing. make it very often because... If you will make your stew, I will make some variety of baked goods. Mm, uh, sounds I've like a on, challenge I can I've been on. on a pie kick lately. So I just made a really good French apple pie for one of my coworkers on birthdays. Mm. And I don't even like apple pie, and it was still fantastic. So soup stews are perfect for entertaining and for a role-playing game group. They're universally accepted. This cookbook is the cookbook for soups and stews. And I fully expect someone to challenge me and say, no, this one is. Can't wait because I'll probably buy that and check that one out. Whatever challenge cookbook somebody gives me. I need to bring the Fallout cookbook over and show it to you. Because there are some really good recipes in there where it's things like the, uh, you know, whatever the ingredient was in the game, they've Mm -hmm. replaced it. So like. I've done a couple of lamb dishes out of there yeah. where lamb is replacing the the big bear creatures that are in the game. Yeah, okay. Huh. Yep. Yeah, one of the books that I reference a little bit for Skies of Glass because of the fact that it's a post-commercial world. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're eating, drinking, whatever, 90-some-odd percent of it is very, very local. Right. I mean, it's not to say there isn't trade because there is some, but it's not like today where you can go down to the local market and get Brazilian citrus right next to. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's gotta be a little bit more local, but I've got a book that was actually written in, I want to say the early 1800s for people that were settling Mm -hmm. out on the frontier. That's like, here's what you can find. Here's how you prepare it. Here's dishes you can make with it. Yeah. And so it's all things from the American frontier. So you don't have to figure out, well, what do you drink when there is no Colombian coffee? Right. And chicory. Yeah. And so it's got, you know, stuff like that mm-hmm. in there. But I've used that for some of the descriptors. Chris also living in the same right. area most of my life, not all of my life, but having lived in St. Louis most of my life, obviously I have a pretty good idea what does and doesn't grow around <laughs> here. But that's the interesting thing about old school cookbooks. I mean, well, and I, I don't mean like from the 50s. I mean, from like 1850 or even 1750. Oh, even like the 1920s and 30s yeah. was they're very different. And some of the recipes don't actually work anymore, especially the chicken ones, because the chickens were different. When you right. go to a market, you buy a chicken in 1860 and it's an older chicken. And all the recipes from then tell you to cook the chicken for like three hours mm-hmm. if you go to your grocery store and buy a chicken cook it for three hours you're going to have mush it's because that they sell different kind of chickens we have this industrial chicken complex here that makes these billions and billions of chickens as soon as they hit a certain height weight age they are out the door and sold whereas back then chickens you have to kill them you have to pluck them and so the chickens were older and older chickens are tougher and you have to cook them longer yeah. My mom's got some interesting stories about that because her grandparents had a relatively sizable farm. And she talks about when she was a little girl going out on this farm. So, I mean, we're now talking 60 years ago. And she was watching her grandmother. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, they don't typically use an axe or a hatchet to behead a chicken. It's twisted. 
Yeah, use yeah. your bare hands. You just yeah. pop the head off. And throw it in a barrel, too, because yeah. it'll flop around and get blood everywhere. Yeah. It, so, anyways, <laughs> I, I'm sure <laughs> that, that's kids. helping everyone here. <laughs> I wanted to have an opportunity here mm-hmm. for you to follow up on that topic. So, the next thing I want to do, because it's, I guess, an obligatory thing... There's a gaming thing I want to talk about next recording because I gave some people that are making a board game permission to use Gnarl and his clan in the board game. There's now a published board game you can buy where for some reason in the list of gnolls I gave them, the only one that's playable is Gnarl's mom, (laughs) which is outstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're going to come back to that one. But what that got me thinking about is let's talk about our holiday geek loot. But to keep this simple, all right, everyone has two parameters. One, only one thing. I don't want to hear your whole haul. (laughs) I don't want to hear your list of 45 things. One item. And secondly, it must be either gaming preferably, or at least if you don't have a gaming Mm -hmm. item, very geek-related. Wayne, you want to go first? Uh, First thing that jumps out at me, so I'll go with the first thing that hits my mind, was I got the Ruby board game. And it's Ruby as in the cartoon. So it's actually spelled R-W-B-Y. Right. My uh, brother-in-law got it for me. And it's one of those board games. I haven't played it yet, but it's one of the ones where you each have different characters. They level up as you play through the campaign settings. And you you can tell a whole story arc with the game. Hmm. So hopefully it's cool. It looks really interesting. But it was one of those I didn't expect it at all. And it's just, yeah, oh, is, wow. Isn't that's cool. Ruby yeah. an American-produced anime-style yeah. thingy? I I know of it. I've never watched it. But I know what it is, kind of vaguely. Yeah, and the characters are, like, the other characters around them are all things like Joan of Arc or something. Mm-hmm. Except Joan is a, a guy that, I think he had shield powers or something. Hmm. It's been a little while since I've watched it. But it's a lot of those type of fairy tale historical figures all kind of blended in and big giant anime style weapons and so a lot of fighting and had a chance to play it yet no i haven't you've not okay so we'll expect a review on that at some point also i will link all the items we mentioned here in the show notes if you're interested in checking them out yourself we are not being paid to advertise anything <laughs> not yet not yet no Chad, nothing. Literally nothing geek or gaming related. Not one thing. Not one damn thing. I got I'm so ashamed vi- of you. I got vinyl records that consist of Herbie Hancock, which is jazz, and Art Blakey, jazz, Broken Bells, to modern rock. Uh, some exercise equipment. I got some exercise equipment. Yeah. Huh. And I was, very, don't get me wrong, I was very happy. Okay. So, well, you, but I got no you at least stuff. partook in one, so I can kind of steal your slot here. Because somebody on our forums, I don't remember mm-hmm. who or I would credit the person, linked that somebody is making Knoll coffee. Oh, yes. And yes. it's called Regular Knoll, <laughs> and it is a dark brewed coffee or dark coffee bean. And the espresso roast. Yeah, it has a nice. picture of a knoll on it. I don't know why, <laughs> but it is regular knoll, G N O L L. It's not K N O L L. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's mm-hmm. that type of knoll. And we had some today at work. It was really good. Yeah, because I was going to get it pre-ground. Shocking. But Chad was like, no, no, get the whole beans. I've got a grinder. I'll grind it for you. I've got a burr grinder. Chad's a little snooty. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I've got a mocha pot and everything. So, no coffee. What about you, Laura? So, I didn't get a ton of gifts. But I got the first Eberron book, which is exciting for me. Okay, Uh, that's pretty geeky. We just started an Eberron campaign with some of... 
Adam's friends up in Minnesota, but I'm actually more excited about something I got for Adam because I got him a dice set, which is like, you know, standard geeky. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But no. Nope. I got dice. Nope. Yep. Oh, nope. I blew it. You lost your I, turn, I, man. I threw away my shot. <laughs> I did get something geeky. Damn it. Too late. Ugh. So the dice set that I got for Adam, I got it from a from a vendor on Amazon. And it, the dice are actually made out of wood. Yeah. Um, and so they have several different types of wood that you can choose for your dice. And so I got him a set of ebony wood dice. Nice. Yeah, because I'm nerdy oh. and like I'm into all the witchy stuff. And so I looked at witchy things. Too. So, so what is the property of ebony wood in that regard? Uh, there are a number of properties of ebony wood, actually. Um, it's very. You have to sing ebony and ivory every time you roll. Because I only have one wooden die. I have a sandalwood D20, Ooh, which actually was nice. a freebie that came with the mammoth tusk die that I got a while back. You have a mammoth tusk die? I do. Die? Would yeah. you like to touch it? Yeah. No, seriously, do. this is a die of the ages because this is the only die that I have that is Made out of something, well, unless you have one out of stone, that's like probably about 20,000 years old. That is so cool. So, yeah, if you can roll it, you can see what the long ages think of you. Mm-hmm. Should I roll it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I, I've, everyone else rolled. First time I rolled, I got a 19. I believe that is also, you also a 19. Got a 19. Wow. So, I don't know if I've ever rolled that. All right, Wayne. Because the die likes Go it. ahead and see why. <laughs> 11, yeah. You're very mediocre. <laughs> it didn't roll a one. So right. I, yeah, it's true. I got that going true. for me. Yeah. Um, Ebony wood, though, is um, all about power, purity, balance, protection, and it amplifies magnetic energy. It's one of the most revered woods among pagans because of its protective properties. So. Hmm. Get also, some for Wayne. It's it's really pretty, <laughs> and also Adam is legally blind, and so the dark wood with the really light numbers makes it easier for him to, yeah, to that read ma- the numbers. That makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, yeah the sandalwood die I've got is actually really kind of hard to read because the sandalwood sort of a mid shade to begin with, mm-hmm. and the numbers they are varnished more darkly. But it's a mid shade varnish on a mid shade wood. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can read it. If you have good eyesight, yeah. but someone like Adam, I don't think he. Right. Would That's why I hate yeah. clear dice. I don't care what color paint they put the number it's still in, be because you can see. see through the other numbers. Make it harder to read. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen a clear set of dice that I thought was easy to read. Yeah, and yeah, I've seen translucent dice. Mm. I thought were okay, but yet more transparent-ish yeah. dice. No, so. The one that I'm going to go with is I got a copy of a newer set of Roll Through the Ages. Mm. So for anyone who doesn't know what Roll Through the Ages is, Roll Through the Ages is a game playable between two and four people. I think there is a side set for playing by yourself, but it's meant for two to four people. And it's kind of like a mix of Civilization and Yahtzee. Every turn... You have a set number of cities, like you start with three, so you roll one die per city. And the dice could be like food production, labor, piracy and plagues. It it can be all kinds of things. And you get a certain number of re-rolls, and as you get those resources piled up, you can use those to build new cities, to build wonders, to research technologies that help your civilization. And then the game ends once somebody hits a certain level of either technology or of 
building enough wonders and then the game ends mm-hmm. and you score out how each civilization did it really is a lot of fun and yahtzee was the first thing i compared it to the first time i played it yeah and they made a newer one because that one that i have is roll through the ages the bronze age they made one called roll through the ages the iron age which i've not opened or played yet because i mean i just got it like a week ago mm-hmm. but it adds on things like raising armies and going on conquests and so it expands on the idea of the original game of you know gathering labor and food and marble and other resources and trying to flesh out your civilization with now there's apparently also a conquest mechanic to it that Hmm. i'm a little fuzzy on i don't know how it plays exactly but yeah so sounds interesting though yeah i'm excited to try it it's something i've been wanting and Roll Through the Ages is a really fun and relatively quick game to play. I've seen them drag on because people do weird stuff, but typically a game's going to go about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, once again, I've seen it drag on for an absurd amount of time, but... Yeah, I introduced a bunch of my family to my favorite crossover game. It was uh, Suro. Oh, yeah, yeah, or you move the little... If anyone doesn't know what Suro is, you play these little dragon stones that are kind of like in a rock garden... And you play tiles that show paths raked in the rock garden. And your dragon must keep following the path in whatever direction it's facing. And the game ends for you when your dragon follows a path that runs it back off the board. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to be the last dragon still on the board. Yep. It is a very simple game to play with a lot of strategy into what you're doing. You can set anyone down and they can understand it within about a minute and start playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I love it as a crossover game is my sister who doesn't play board complicated board games. The most complicated that she was playing was clue. And that was, she had some questions about it. Yeah. Can sit down and play this and have a yeah. lot of fun with it. One of the Good games, game. it's kind of a, it's a variant game like roll through the ages, the iron age that I really enjoy is, Uh, And I've had this one for a little while. Brodor talked me into it. Or maybe he just showed it to me and I bought it. But it's a pandemic variant called Fall of Rome. So it's made by Z-Man Games. Sereno doesn't know what pandemic is. You play members of the CDC trying to stop multiple diseases Mm -hmm. before they wipe out the world's population. And you have different characters that have different powers. Like you could be the medic who goes in and can reduce the disease count in a city, or you could be the engineer who goes in and builds new CDC research facilities or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. There's somebody who does like the airlift operator who can send people instantly anywhere in the world, but they made a version of it that like they were, it plays using the basic normal pandemic rules, but they designed it around the latter centuries of the original Roman Empire. I know Eastern Roman Empire mm-hmm. made it to 1400s, 1500s, but the original Roman Empire, so you're talking... And yeah, yeah, you're talking like 3rd, 4th century. Mm-hmm. And the way that you play it is instead of CDC members, you have like, I'm the senator, and the senator can do certain things, and somebody else is like the, you know... Praetorian Guard, I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. I think the Praetorians actually may have been disbanded by then. You know, somebody else is playing like like Legend? an auxiliary, mm-hmm. like an auxiliary unit or something like that. Yeah. And instead of diseases, you have different barbarian tribes. Oh. And what you do is instead of, per se, curing them, you go to Roman fortresses, 
you conscript legions mm-hmm. and then you go out with your legions and you fight the barbarian hordes. And once you defeat enough of them, you get the ability to pacify the tribe. And then in true Roman fashion, <laughs> that tribe then becomes auxiliary cohorts mm-hmm. and now begins helping you with the other tribes. But you have to tip this before the barbarians overwhelm Rome and yeah. end the game. Yeah. Uh, just like in pandemic where it's the disease destroying the human mm-hmm. populace. Here you have to try and save Rome from falling at the hands of the vandals or the right. goths or whatever. That sounds like my kind of game. Oh, I love it. And it's mm-hmm. it's I love cooperative games in mm-hmm. general. And yeah. it's a great game. So, all right, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Like I said, some- dice. I got dice. Ugh. Okay. I don't want to oh, hear no, about your this, dice. No, I can't compete with like ebony dice. You can't. And they're so beautiful. They're tactical. They're like gray. And gray. They're pretty role cool. Playing, by the way, your the dice have dice, no wizardry. So. No, they're no. tactical dice. Dongamfa is very sweet. The stocking stuffer. Dice. I got yeah. dice. I got dice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did, They're nice dice. Did you get dice? I got dice. Are you sure? Yeah. Now, now I am. I, I remember now. What kind of dice are they so I make sure that we don't roll whatever they are the next game we play? They're gray dice <laughs> with green letters on them. No, he means like what face is like. Is it D6s? D- oh, uh, it was a chess X <laughs> box of D6s. So so not a D6. So we need, to, we need a, to play Fate. And then so a can't use set them. of... Yes. The variety, the D20, the D12, 2D10. Just because I'm contrarian, I still Mm. want to make a game that centers around the least loved and utilized die in role-playing, the D30. I don't know if they even still make them or not. Oh, I'm sure somebody They do. I don't have one. But damn it, I'm going to bring them back in demand. (laughs) I'm going to make some, like, everything award-winning. It's going to win the Ennies and the Diana Jones Award, and it's the Origins Award. It's going to win, like, everything, mm-hmm. and it's going to be the D30 system. But the trend now is weird things like squigglies and explosions and blue. No, it's not anymore. <laughs> Fantasy Flight just laid off their uh, entire role-playing staff. Mm-hmm. So the hieroglyphic Star Wars games are apparently either going to... Probably the not. Modifius Fallout yeah. game also uses the special dice. Yeah. Yeah. Uses their special dice. So yeah, the ones that look like an Egyptologist having mm. a stroke are. Uh... <laughs> Although Modifius is also working on a two d twenty version of Fallout. Interesting. Huh. I saw like an actual for real D one hundred for the first time yeah, over yeah. break. They're impossible to read. They're gigantic, and yeah. I'm like, I don't understand how you would even like even as huge as it was. You like, set how it do down you... and then you hit it with a golf club. Like, how do you <laughs> tell which side is on top? Cause right, because there's, there's so, so many. It's so many. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the ones I've seen are about the size of a golf ball, so they're not that oh, big to begin with. No, this was. And like, yeah, you have yeah. to get down at table level oh, yeah. to f- even see figure out which which is side is level yeah. and. And then try to read it. Yeah, it used freaking percentile dice. Right. right. But, Sounds all right. Anywho, thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back next week with a much more normal show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other than that, we hope you got at least something good <laughs> and geek-related this Christmas. This is our holiday recovery episode. Yes. Yeah. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Dice! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you.